0: Gentlemen, welcome to Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet. Hello everyone and welcome to this, the latest edition of ESSR Feature here on the Eat, Sleep, Suplex, Retweet podcast network. I'm your host this week, Stephen Wilson, and today we are going to be doing another profile on one of the wrestlers, uh, past, present or future, depending on how you look at things. Uh, We are going to be talking about a wrestler who was a phenomenon, phenomenon, uh, in the MMA before joining WWE, where she took her mainstream success and helped that division for the brief time that she was, or may still be there, I don't know. i know, <laughs> who knows at this point, uh, yes, we're talking about Ronda Rousey, we're going to be here talking about the career of one of the most successful uh, uh, fighting stars to ever grace, a uh, octagon, a professional wrestling ring however you want to look at it. Uh, Before I introduce my panel who will be joining me to look back at her career, uh, just a usual bit of housekeeping. uh, You can find us on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram and Suplex Retweet. Uh, You can also subscribe to us at Each Sleep Suplex Retweet on all podcasting networks as well as YouTube. You can find all our great content there. The podcasting network has got nearly five years worth of shows there. So there is something for everybody in our back catalogue, so please go and check it out. Now, joining me first of all is a man who is fair to say does not care about his damn reputation. It is Gary Cairnaghan.
1: Oh Stephen. Stephen, if I worried about what people thought of me, I wouldn't go anywhere. And I wouldn't speak to anybody, which might make some other people happy. But uh, yeah, if I didn't invite myself to parties, I would never go to any
0: words have never been spoken yes
1: uh,
0: and when i got uh, a panel together i didn't think i would find the man who might be more unlikely to wear a kilt than gary but i have found the man <laughs> south of the border who probably would not wear a kilt unless we paid him yes uh, topic matters
2: <laughs> i'm i'm all for i'm all for kilt wearing i'm i'm very jealous that it's not an english tradition it's it's, it's it seems like the perfect summer wear I wish I was more Irish than I was because they've got them as well. Tom, you're going to have to get your legs out for the podcast, of <laughs> We can yeah. see. I'll, uh, I'll get a pair of hot pants on for the next record.
0: <laughs> Taking the big boys, Tam, nickname a bit too far there, Tom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's
2: going to happen. It's going to happen uh, on Saturday.
0: Well, it may have happened by the time this show comes out because... Uh, we are recording this show the week after the Royal Rumble because this is day of this release is Ronda Rousey's 35th birthday, uh, and it so happens that she may or may not have returned at the Royal Rumble that happened this past Saturday. The rumors are out at time of recording, so it is a coincidence that this happened. So if she has showed up in the Royal Rumble and we say anything that implies that she didn't, sorry. We've pre-recorded things. We are not mind readers. We are not in the head of Vince McMahon. Even though if you listen to a lot of our past shows, things that we say seem to happen like two years later. hey about that. Let's get into the career of Ronda now. We're going to briefly, obviously, talk about her career before she joined WWE because she, you know, she was only in the WWE for one year. She had so much that came beforehand. Uh, Ronda was born, obviously, in... Uh, February 1st, ni- 1987. So obviously oh, as of today, she has now turned 35. Uh, she was born in Riverside, California, the youngest of three daughters to Anne Maria DeMars and Ron Rousey, who she so happened to be named after. Uh, when she was young, uh, she took up interest in a sport known as judo, a martial arts for anybody who's you know living in a hole. <laughs> and she ended up being quite good at it she took up at the age of 11 and Gary it's um, a lot of people know a lot about her obviously a time in the UFC maybe not too many people are familiar with her you know run as a in the judo sphere but her accolades in that sport you know speak for themselves it's pretty impressive
1: Yeah, absolutely. What was it? A bronze medal in the Beijing Olympics, a world championship silver medalist in Rio de Janeiro in 2007, gold medals in the Pan American Games, Pan American Championships, the World Junior Championships, stretching from what, uh, 2004 to 2008. I tell you, see this judo level that she competed in, she got to visit some pretty cool cities (laughs) as well. The places that she competed in, but certainly, uh, and you can see the style that she ended up adopting, where she was able to pull this through into a wrestling career. Such an accomplished fighter, my goodness. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah, Tom. uh, Age of twenty-one year old, she went to Beijing, and she became the first American. To win an Olympic medal in women's judo since it got put into the the sport 16 years beforehand, it's mm-hmm. no small feat.
2: It's no, p- not at all. <clears throat> Yeah, I mean, what? What? How old was Angle when he won his? Is this a bit? This is technically obviously Angle Angle oh. won gold, but a medal at the point that's oh, that's got to was... come into a point uh, of a uh, possibly even was... a greater accomplishment.
0: He was 28
2: when he won his gold in the freestyle wrestling at 96. So yeah, she was yeah. she was 21. So yeah, that's if that. looking through it, the actual levels of accomplishment that she's she basically got in there at 13 and just constantly won stuff until she was 21, and then was like, what else is there to win? <laughs>
0: Serial winner, I think, is what they said. There are people who are just born to win. And that's how the best sports people, they say, always want to win. Some people want to win so badly that when they get substituted uh, with their team winning 2-0, they have a wee bit of a temper tantrum on sidelines. But enough bitching about Cristiano Ronaldo for me. what uh, thing I would say, uh, Gary, is um, even though she did win a bro, I'm not going to diss... Rod Ronda Rousey in any because she would probably kick her ass, but she technically got beat in the quarterfinals of the Beijing Olympics and got in as a sort of like cash type thing as well which is essentially, from what I can see everybody who did make the semifinals got a second chance and she managed to win a bracket in that particular one
1: Yeah, I mean it's an interesting choice because folk, uh think like if you look a wee bit closer to home at Tom Daly never managed to win the the gold, very accomplished at various other levels and uh, I think in previous Olympics picked up a bronze medal if I remember right and obviously picked up a gold this year Uh, but he decided to go for it and it's interesting that Rhonda in 2008 didn't think right, 2012 London, I'm going to come back and I'm going to go for it. She branched off into this other Uh, What found out to be an incredibly lucrative career for her and that's something that happens with uh, medal winners at Olympic Games that can open up other opportunities for them or they can continue down this particular path and focus on, I mean four years is quite a long time and if she went for 2012 and didn't achieve a better status then she might have missed her window of opportunity Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah I think well, you mentioned the likes of like uh, Kurt Angle, obviously he went into professional, uh, boxing is yeah. a great example, a lot of the yeah. uh, gold medalists in boxing go on to go professional, uh, but interesting fact I found Tom as well is um, uh, Rhonda's mum, Anne Maria, she was also you know, very accomplished in judo and she actually won a, a world title in 1984, four years before American You know, judo could be opened up. You know, they weren't really having it as a sport at that particular point. So it's quite a good story as well that she was able to do this and go to to continue essentially what her mum started a couple of decades before.
2: Yeah, it's got to be it's got to be a a huge deal for her, and that's got to be probably one of a a when you look at the actual list of accomplishments she's got. You've got to imagine that's got to be pretty high up on the list to, to have a to have a continuing family legacy like that that's that's one of the dreams in terms of everything you you know you're a second generation judo star um, in, in terms of carrying on the legacy that your mum only didn't get to it because she wasn't allowed to in that case so yeah
0: yeah, everybody knows my f- uh, my parents will know I'm a second generation gobshite. I might be a 3rd generation <laughs> gobshite. Who knows? <laughs> Gary gar- can laugh at that. He knows it's true. Uh, so, so obviously she decided, you know, she wasn't going to continue with the kind of Olympic judo style things because you know four years, a lot of time. You have the training to you know train for these Olympics is absolutely crazy. So she and she also, apart you know, she didn't really feel the joy when she kind of watched judo but around this time she kind of started taking in the MMA in particular the UFC and that's how she you know got into the MMA you know she saw the ultimate fighter finale that featured Nate Diaz and you know she, she must have thought it was absolutely great because not long after the 2008 Olympics she started training to be uh, a mixed martial artist, and within two years, Gary She was, like, having fights. You know, as a mixed martial, artist. she had her debut as an amateur in August of 2010. She beat Hayden Munez by submission due to an arm bar funnily enough, in 23 seconds. The 23 seconds in a debut win, that's a good sign, that for what the career she was going to have.
1: Yeah, and uh, I've not the world's biggest martial arts fan but uh, sorry sort of ufc fan um but what ronda went on to achieve uh was nothing sort of short of nominal she became the biggest drawn star uh or the biggest drawn female star of what was a male-dominated sport and people would pay you know uh money to see ronda didn't matter who else was on the card she became the 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 draw didn't she and that devastating style you went on to see in some of her subsequent matches i think you even went on to see that sort of um how could just describe it that sort of intense uh start to you see that breakout in her wrestling style as well she wrestled with an intensity and um you know I felt when I always felt at least when she was wrestling that business was going to pick up to quote JR yeah
0: she was you know she she had a special attraction Remember, she got into it. and Tom I think it was quite interesting because you look at the record the early record she had and with the judo style that she had you know you find some people, they do it in different types of sports. It's similar to MMA, they just take it very easily. Brock Lesnar's a great example. We're talking from the wrestling side of things. His hard-hitting style took it very well. But well, Ronda's is a kind of different aspect of it. She came in from the judo side of things, and she, majority of her fights she won with that kind of armbar. but it was just how, as Gary mentioned, how easily she would just pull people apart. Even in this, you know, our three amateur fights and our first four, uh, professional fights when she was in the uh, Strikeforce force uh, it lasted less than a minute in the first round now i'm no expert in ufc myself but that is a, that's a lot of, there's a lot of ufc fights that i see it go the full three rounds five rounds you know the absolute classics but she was picking people apart you know in a cakewalk
2: yeah and i think as well i think this says something else about ronda um, in, in terms of um, how actually smart and business savvy um, that Ronda Rousey actually is um, that I don't think she gets enough credit for. If you take a look at this, so obviously she's retired from Judo at 21 um, after after the Olympics. She's she's basically said, I can't go any higher than the Olympics, so what am I going to do? She's taken a look at what's around him. You said, Obviously, some people would have gone. The natural thing would be to go towards boxing. Natural things probably would have been to go towards, or even kickboxing, or other judo in hand sports. UFC was big at this point, but it wasn't where it is now. It wasn't where it was when she when she got there, uh, when she was having a heyday either. UFC was a big deal, but it was still very much sort of on the underground. It had still just come off that Ultimate Fighter uh, sort of TV period. She's noticing this at 21 and going, that's where I need to be. That's who I need to be around. And you, you take a look at the... There are more accomplished and savvy businessmen, um, or, or certainly not not necessarily savvy, but certainly more accomplished businessmen at this point. Look at how long it took Vince to recognise how, how how much of an influence UFC was having on his on his actual own business. Look at, look at the way that TNA never really... Accepted the sort of UFC styles in, in regards to everything. They, they still always went in the old direction of bringing WCW guys in. P, there were smart people within the business, people like Heyman and stuff like that that were on the ground up with this. Lesnar was obviously very smart in regards to this and was like, this is the future of pro wrestling. She's doing this at 21. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: it's, it's, it's crazy. I think I, there's a lot of quotes I've ever seen from The, the Undertaker who talked about with if he, if UFC was as big when he was starting, as it was at say this point of time, yeah, he might have been more prone to go into that side of things because he his striking side style of wrestling, mm. particularly in his uh, late uh, his latter decade, or so, was more prominent and uh, obviously as a big fan of it. But uh, it's it's something, Gary. You know, we're talking about Ronda here. She's she's just turned two thousand and thirteen. She's just turned 20, 23. She's just turned twenty-three at this
1: point. Twenty-three, twenty. I, I feel, I feel the need, guys, to compare um, Rhonda's age to the earthquake, who we seem to be talking about now in every podcast we did, because when earthquake was having this big feud with Hulk Hogan and squished him at just before SummerSlam 1990. What was it? Uh, earthquake was twenty-six. The, so just when we call well, it. Was... now, well, a, I'm so cute Where are you going places.
0: with this, Gary?
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying you look alike or anything like well, that. It's quite, it's, it's,
0: it's quite coincidental. You're talking about Airfood 26, and at 26 is when the. Uh, UFC made Ronda Rousey the first ever women's yeah. phantom
1: Women <laughs> champion. <laughs> I mean, you would never have thought that, that uh, Earthquake was 26, but look, uh, we need to put debut, but look at whatever, everything that Ronda's achieved by, by this age. And when she, uh, you know, when she ultimately lost uh, in UFC, that was the defeat that shook the world. But then that nobody Nobody seen it coming.
0: No, that was it. That was an absolute mental point of that one because if you kinda look at the, the accolades, I mean it was in two thousand and fifteen she had that loss to Holly Holm, which you mentioned there. But up until that point the accolades that she was pulling together in the UFC was unbelievable. And this was the point she had a twelve and 0 professional record at this point, as many you say now. You sometimes look twelve and 0 and you think, that's not a lot, but UFC fighters don't fight very often in a year because it's quite a you know demanding sport in terms of they get their faces absolutely pounded, <laughs> first of all. But uh, in terms of what she did in the in the UFC and the time she was there, you know, she she was the first ever UFC women's bantamweight champion. She defended that title six times, which is quite impressive in itself. You consider as well boxing, for example, a lot of them don't defend it there. Uh, She won fight of the night two times, one of which was the Holly Holmes fight that she lost. Uh, Performance of the night four times in those fights that she had. Now consider the fact that her UFC wins, if you can score the ones before UFC, Tom. Uh, Performance of the night four times. She had six wins in the UFC. That's pretty good going. That's like a 66% she, she was
2: she was the biggest star. star. she was the biggest sporting star in the world at that point I've, i don't think anyone could deny that point i'm pretty sure isn't she she's the only ufc star to have even let alone hosted but even have been on snl i think she hosted so i think she hosted saturday night live um it must have been it must have been around about 2016 or something like that like I think she's she's got to be the only person that's that's ever even come close to even like
1: mm-hmm.
2: the, the the people at Saturday Night Live have probably even ever reached out to from the UFC. That's, that like it's a, it's a huge 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 accomplishment.
0: Yeah, I remember when they had the the early two thousands said Rock Triple H and all that. Yeah,
2: that
0: was the yeah. that was the peak of WWE WWE's popularity in the mainstream and that the point in time. But yeah, yeah, you're right. She, I don't know if she was the first one to do it, but she did definitely. Uh, the 23rd of January 2016 she hosted the episode with musical guest Selena Gomez <laughs> you go, there's some information for you uh, some other things that she kind of uh, accomplished Gary when she was in the UFC, she was uh, first Olympic medalist to win a, a UFC championship uh, fastest ever women's fight victory in UFC history 14 seconds uh, the most arm bar finishes in UFC WEC played Strikeforce history with nine. Uh, she won the our, our first ever uh, women's fight in UFC history, and uh, she's also the first female inductee into the UFC Hall of Fame, which had uh, quite a number of people in it at that particular point, including uh, WWE, WWF legend, the man with the greatest grey T-shirt in wrestling history, Dan Seven. Oh.
1: Than the b seven.
0: What a guy, but yeah, th- those list of accomplishments in UFC are absolutely fantastic.
1: Yeah, I mean, Tom mentioned uh, hosting Saturday Night Live. I sort of really became, f- I'm f- sort of, I'm really familiar with who Ronda was when she appeared in The Expendables 3 in 2014. And if you think about The Expendables cast, it's like a who's who of the recent history of action films in Hollywood. And uh, for Ronda to have been selected or deemed worthy of being amongst that uh, array of stars, I mean, what Tom said about Saturday Night Live, I would add, that speaks incredible volumes to how big a star she had become or was becoming and that's when i became really aware of her. this sort of crossover into the mainstream really started and she obviously goes on to be in a couple of really notable movies that followed isn't it yeah
0: she was in the fast and the furious seven which is a pretty big franchise of itself yeah um she also had a cameo appearance or she did have some appearance of some sort in the Entourage film, I don't know if any of you two are familiar with the
2: Entourage series uh, I, I, I'm aware of it, I wouldn't say familiar would be the right term
1: do you not remember when the guys from the Entourage guest hosted Monday Night Raw Tom I can't even remember his name Jeremy Piveny I, f- I, yeah. I,
2: I think I luckily skipped that week <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah I, I think I was very fortunate to uh, to not have to watch that week but yeah I I still don't know what they are What what is that show meant to be about I've seen so many parodies of it but I don't understand what it is I've never, I've never I've watched a lot of TV shows it's not what <laughs> I've ever watched I don't
0: really know what it is about it the film uh, how did the film the film holds an approval rating of thirty-three percent on Rotten Tomatoes, so that says it all. <laughs> uh, but if you look at some of the the people who cameoed in that film, along, played themselves, you know there was David Arquette, Shaina Baszler was in it. You know that's a, that's before she was big. Uh, Jasmine, Duke, Duke, Jasmine Duke, I can't pronounce her name.
1: Yeah, we, we used to refer to Jasmine Duke and uh, or Marina Shafir as simply the other two.
0: <laughs> uh, who else had an appearance in this? John Favreau, uh, Kelsey Grammer, uh, Pierce Morgan, uh, Liam, 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 Liam Neeson, Mike Tyson, Mark Wahlberg, Pharrell Williams, George Takei, Terry Henry. <laughs> what a weird lineup of people in this particular film. But yeah, it's, it's, it's quite semi well known, so just so the appeal that she kind of had. In this kind of 2014-2015 period but then we mentioned the Holly Holm fight you know that kind of brought a short-term spiral to her because 2015 we mentioned biggest sports star in the world you know absolutely everywhere gets knocked out like battered with, with very comprehensively if anybody's seen this I'm not a big UFC fan uh, but I even seen this fight and she gets absolutely lettered Um mm-hmm she tries a style on Holly Holm it just doesn't work Um, she she takes a year away because I think UFC especially if you lose I think there's a lot of medical you know there's a medical suspension technically on it so you can't fight for a certain amount of time she comes back you know just over a year later she gets beat even quicker than she gets beat off of Holly Holm she gets uh, TKO'd in 48 seconds and top of that the most successful female definitely female probably one of the most successful UFC MMA careers is, is over
2: yeah I mean that that's the thing with UFC you've got you've got a short run time to make your time there um, before it becomes just cameo appearances essentially and uh, essentially cameo fights and when you are the biggest sporting attraction in the world at that point and I think it's fair to say that she was at that, but like more more than fair to say, like she was. M- McGregor probably wasn't far behind. Um, but at that point, every everyone was crazy about Ronda Rousey. Um, but I think I think it came a little bit sooner than everyone expected it to, because it sort of happened as people outside of the UFC became aware of her. That's when the Holy Holm fight happened, and and how everything sort of uh, drifted a little bit um, in in terms of everything. But again, it I I still think that what follows in regards to this. I know we've not talked about the WrestleMania appearance yet, um, but obviously it was very much setting up in in regards to a debut. Going going ahead, and then after lo- losing, but taking the loss and being smart enough to take a year off, and then taking more time off after the second loss mainly so that people are never going to forget the name ronda rousey but people are going to forget the te- uh, the fact that she lo- she lost in 48 seconds that's the yeah. that's the key to keep yourself as a bankable star and she's just again it just shows that how business savvy that she actually is as a pr- she's a promoter in herself she's
1: her own promoter
2: yeah,
1: yeah. and in these sports you have to be systematic about your opponents, and you see that particularly in boxing, um, unless it's a mandatory fight. But in this instance, like Ronda's return fight, you know, once you've lost once, you know, you you can't lose again. And that's what happened to her if she had been able to, and she had to tackle Holly Holmes, she couldn't really go off and have fights with other people. She, you know, maybe she could have, but would have had to come back to Holly Holm at some point. And it just seemed Holly had the this sort of, you know, got into Ronda's head somewhat that that defeat. She was uh, never the same after after that, was she? And um, you know, Holly Holm after that, you know, didn't go on to amount to a great deal, did she? Although she was probably a made woman after those two fights.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well. For Rhonda though, she left the, the MMA with a a pretty substantial payday. You know, she made a total of four point three six million from her fights alone in the in the MMA. Three million of it partly came from that Amanda Nunes fight, which she finished off with. You know, she got three million dollars to show up, which is absolutely crazy. And a peak of her um stardom was, you know, shown by the fact that in 2015 you know, at the point where she was still at 12 and 0, Uh she was named ESPA, ESPN fan's best female athlete ever, pipping Serena Williams. Serena Williams had won and everything at that point in time. <laughs> so you're gonna get, you're gonna beat Serena Williams to that particular accolade. It just shows how much of a megastar you are. But it was also in 2015, uh, Tom, as you kind of alluded to uh, in your comments, that we, or maybe even the year before actually, around about t- 2014, we started seeing a lot more of Ronda Rousey in a wrestling world. We were starting to see her cr- in crowds. She was in the front row at SummerSlam, along with her pals uh, who were, we would learn around the, at this point, were calling themselves the Four Horsewomen, before the Four Horsemen of NXT really was a thing. And this is where you kind of start to learn that this absolute megastar as a wrestling fanatic which is quite crazy to think about in hindsight
2: i get again i think it comes from the fact that people are very very um smart smart people see the wrestling connection that ufc has see the potential that ufc has to just to, to cut through in terms of the ufc is what people who want old school style wrestling to look like that's what it looks like on a modern stage and it's why it's very attractive to a lot of people with that old school sort of mindset. Um, and again, like <laughs> you're just going to get more and more examples of it. I think as time goes on. But Rhonda's a very, very smart woman, so she makes that connection. And obviously, also being a fan herself, that that obviously is going to help. But if you're a fan of it, put it into your put it into your career path. Yeah, it
0: was it was applied uh, a number of years before it as well, Gary. Okay, when she was given the the rowdy nickname, I think a lot of, it was our colleagues in the MMA who had given, adopted this nickname for her. And she was initially not too keen to take on the nickname because, as a wrestling fan, she was a big fan of Roddy Piper, mm-hmm. you know. And she initially was didn't want to take said, "That's his. I don't want it." And she ended up, you know, being given the nickname from Piper." Which is a nice passing of the torch because if you kind of when we kind of talk a wee bit about when she eventually steps in the ring, unfortunately uh, Piper's passed away at that particular point. And we can't see the sort of interaction between the two of them in a wrestling ring. So it's nice that they had some sort of thing here where he was like, "No, I've had the chance for this one. People think you should have this one. You're a big, I'm, I'm clearly a big influence on you. You can take it forward."
1: Yeah, and I don't know this for certain, but I get the impression the two of them went on to f- form some sort of uh, relationship um, or friendship because Piper had uh, uh, on his podcasts at least once, if not a couple of times. Is it going I've n- I never listened to uh, Piper's podcast, so I'm not 100% sure, but I,
0: I yeah, right, no, think you are right.
1: The uh, they
0: definitely did have some sort of. Uh, Working relationship. On a brief uh, side note, uh, we talk about wrestlers appearing in TV shows. I watched the Always Sunny in Philadelphia episode that features Roddy <laughs> Piper, which is absolutely nuts. <laughs> I think he plays the perfect character in it. Uh, Gary, I'll just quickly throw back to you on that one because um, you know this the SummerSlam appearance. Uh, Tom mentioned Paul Heyman was talking about about her a lot. Um, we didn't really know too much about the other three and we still don't know a lot about two of them uh but we then get to wrestlemania 31 and we see a lot more of them in the crowd and at that point you think it's just a passing reference we've just got this you know big massive fan there until we get to just before the main event and we get triple h and we get stephanie mcmahon mm-hmm. and then the rock kind of come out and they have this I think it's at that point, I think it's fair to say, watching it. It seems like a, just a massive throwaway segment to kill time at this point in time. Right before, you know, the big moment.
1: Yeah. I was just checking, Stephen, it was April two thousand fifteen that Rhonda was on Piper's podcast.
0: Oh, round about the, the point of WrestleMania Ferry, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs>
1: I remember uh WrestleMania 31 I for a number of reasons. Uh, one of them was obviously the disappointment that Stein didn't defeat Triple H. Um but when you see this segment later on, it kind of like made sense to me a wee bit why Triple H didn't eat the loss. when he came out for this this bit here. And uh, you know Talk about long-term booking Do you think WWE uh, intended um, at this point Ronda's debut match to be against Triple H and Stephanie? Uh, um, you know, we'd have to wait some you know some years for it. But you can see the seeds of a relationship being planted. With the benefit of hindsight, you can see these parties getting to know each other starting to interact with one another starting to build trust along the way and yes a throwaway segment but i wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me if at the time wwe were thinking we can do this here it is in its isolation but it may lead to something else they maybe didn't think it would lead to three years later may have thought it'd be a wee bit sooner than that but yeah uh, any that Stephanie gets her come up and says, uh, <laughs> it's fine with me. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah. Um, I'm yeah. not a great uh, Tom, fan. Ever,
1: I may have mentioned this before. I'm not a great fan of Stephanie. If we ever never see her Dad. on TV again, it'll be too soon. Don't think you've ever mentioned it.
0: Don't it's think you ever mentioned <laughs> it. Uh, uh, Tom, I think we were talking uh, off-air just before we came on about the fact that I think the plan was to try and get this match at the WrestleMania the year after.
2: I think it, it was, to, Yeah. I think it was certainly meant to because I remember when Gary just brought that up then I just remembered they very very much went all out on teasing over the next year Triple H and Rock mm-hmm. they they were really trying to tease it that Triple H and Rock was going to be a thing so I think yeah I think that's very much the I mean they'd have been mad not to have been putting a plan in for Ronda to come in they'd have been crazy for it Um, in, in terms of actually bringing in but I think, yeah, I think actually looking back, I never made that connection of whether it would have been the the mixed tag um, originally with with The Rock in in Angle's place. But yeah, I think that's probably definitely what they were planning. I think they were definitely right to put it off a year or so after the uh, after the second fight because that's what we were talk. We were talking about that beforehand, wasn't it? The second fight came mm-hmm. after that WrestleMania. Yeah, the, it was two.
0: that's WrestleMania was in two thousand and fifteen. Yeah. She lost to Holly Home later in the year. She yes. lost to Holly Home in November. So I think at that particular point that they kind of her stock I think she kinda of, I can't remember exactly, but she, as Gary mentioned, she didn't take the loss very well. Mm. Which I think was part another part of the reason. That and her stock had fell down a wee bit. I think yeah. WWE are secretly absolutely bricking it if Tyson Fury ever loses a boxing match. Because that that Wembley Tyson Fury doing McIntyre match would probably not happen. But then obviously she took the time off in the UFC, which kind of stopped the match at WrestleMania 32. And then she lost to Nunes again. And eventually the match, she, it did come about, but it took a while longer. And if you actually think about it, I've just actually had that thought there. Because WrestleMania 32, The Rock is in this random, woman, big match. Rock's, in, Rock's out there for about half an hour at WrestleMania 32. So he's clearly been booked for a while to have something. And they've obviously had to change the plan. I don't think they wanted to do. I don't know why they wouldn't have just went Triple H if that was the plan for tag team. I don't know why they may have just went Triple.
2: H, it was Triple H. it was Rock's insurance uh, for thirty two. Mm-hmm. They insured... that's because he worked the one second Eric Rowan match, um, yeah. and I think there was there was some kind of thing to do with. I think it was it was either the insurance for that Hercules film, or. Um, One of the fast films. If he'd have got hurt, the insurance payout would have damn near bankrupted them. I think it was something to do with that. They were like, it'd have derailed the entire film. Also, I think, if I remember rightly, there was an an interview where Rock might have said this as well, where when he was doing that uh, Hercules film, there was not a chance in hell he would have passed a wellness test. Uh, he hurt
1: himself after uh, the
0: Cena match, the, didn't he? He hurt himself in the second, the, the second, second Cena match. The- he hurt himself in both I think, but I think yeah. the one at the Cena match at WrestleMania 29 derailed a film. They had to put off whatever my film yeah. he was doing at that point. It kind of delayed it, and I think if he maybe maybe if he was in a tag match, they could have probably uh, got away with doing a lot less spots which I think probably would have been why they maybe would have planned the tag match to kind of go around it. So the minute that Ronda was out the picture, there's no really much for Rock to really do. I well, I don't think they even either they to be there. They didn't really help Eric Rowan in any way, shape, or form. But I digress. We're going to go back to Ronda then. And it gets... Uh, Gary, i go back to you. We get to late in 2017. And the rumour, Will, is going into overdrive about... Ronda Rousey, potentially, WWE signed her up. There's a lot of things about her going, being training at the performance center. There was loads of things on about her training with Brian Kendrick mm-hmm. at that particular point. down there, she was appearing again in the crowd. We saw her at the Million Classic the year that um, Shayna Baszler was in the final. You know, WWE's four horsemen, at one side, and we had, uh,
2: mm-hmm.
0: you know, Ronda. Marina and Jasmine on the other side. It was going into overdrive, and I think what was really fueling it a lot more was towards the end of that year, your pal Stephanie <laughs> announced um, <laughs> the first ever women's Royal Rumble, mm-hmm. and there was a thought going in there like, "What were they? What? How are they going to do this? How are they going to do the Royal Rumble? We're going to have a lot of legends, which we didn't mm-hmm. actually have. We're going to have some surprises, and obviously Rhonda's name." was spiralling about at
1: that point as well that this could be where we see her finally getting to our wrestling ring. Yeah, I watched uh, in preparation for for the show I was watching back Wanda's pay-per-view WWE matches and I went back to this rumble and I I don't know why because I've always read various sites and things Steven as you know uh, I don't. I didn't really catch on to the Ronda Rumble rumors, but when you look back at it, you see throughout the building all the signs. You know, so when Ronda, as you said, when Ronda's music hit, people were clearly expecting it, or some people were expecting it. And uh, but for me, I was. I was surprised the music hit, and I was like, "Oh, what is who's is this? What's this all about?" So I got that, you know, that proper fan reaction to it, and yeah, was was thrilled. Uh, looking back at it as well, watching it back all these years later, or these years later, I mean, the pop I, was incredible, and the the holy shit chants that followed as well. There's not a lot of people that get a holy shit chant for uh, walk into the ring
0: yeah I mean our, the pop you got at WrestleMania 31 was great as well Yeah, and all that was was really a nice there between her and The Rock at the front but I remember it that rumble because I kind of knew about the thing about training and then as the numbers as you get as you know a bit of Rumble when it ticks down it ticks down you start getting to the 20s you're starting to go right who's been who's been pre-announced blah blah yeah. blah blah yeah, like, right, so such and such, there's, there's like maybe three free spaces is going to be such and such, 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 such. And I got to like 28, it was about 28, 29, and I was like, right, mm-hmm. we need the bet the fails are still to come out. So the bells are going to be there. And I was like, oh, she's dead. They're going to do it, and they're going to have it at fair. They're going to have it at fair. And then I started to think, like, no, I'm not they. Trish Stratus has no, not been there yet. They can't have a Roman's Royal Rumble and not have Trish Stratus.
1: Yeah, totally. And the
0: Trish Stratus becomes fair, and you're kind of like, God, are they actually going to do Rod those thing And then Thomas Gary mentioned she comes out the big pop. People maybe saying that she kind of took the moment away from Asuka. Other people will say that she does a very terrible attempt at pointing at the sign.
2: Yeah. What was what was your thoughts? <laughs> I I thought I thought it was smarter than having her in the rumble. I thought it was a, it was it was clever to not have her in the rumble and do her and and have her make her entrance at the end because we'd probably still be having it, sitting here having the discussions of like well, they had her just coming out of nowhere and win the Royal Rumble. I think that would have damaged her just a little bit in terms of them giving what was essentially, I mean we didn't know she was going to be good at this point no one knew whether she was going to be good. They've had this before where they've been like this person's going to be the next big thing and because they've come from this world of from this sporting background and it hasn't worked out for them um so i think it was smart of them to do it she did look a little bit awkward i think that's fair yeah. to say but when you've when you've when you put that the presence that she still had even the fact that she was a bit camera shy and that she was a little bit awkward in everything people were still losing their shit this was still the biggest thing to happen in such a long time to the point that lots of people lost their shit over it so yeah. it, it, at the end of it You can't say anything other than the fact that it was really
1: good can i say when she to your point tom when she came in the ring she had to share stare down with charlotte she offered to shake aska's hand she went outside the ring had that awkward sort of handshake moment with stephanie completely ignored alexa bliss (laughs) sign of things to come maybe bliss got completely made and this Raw women's champion. I can't
2: but be- I can't believe Gary spending so much of this podcast convincing me that WWE does actually does long term booking. If <laughs> they don't do it, Gary, they just call it on the fucking fly. <laughs>
0: oh, any. <laughs> we'll find the F she did show up on Saturday and they go straight for the Becky Lynchman. <laughs> <Lundgren. laughs> Who knows? So I'll end up just putting up with Charlotte and be like, ah, oh, we're gonna do it again. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Uh, Gary Tom alluded to the fact that at this point the big the big what if in this lead up from Royal Rumble to WrestleMania was the fact that is she be is she gonna be any good? And uh, we did a we did a podcast in the lead up to WrestleMania that year, uh here at Suplex retweet where we, that was a big question that we asked a lot of the point is like, is she going to be good? I mean, some of us were quite, yeah, we thought she would go good. Uh One of our panelists, Strack, was very adamant that she was going to be crap. Oh. You know, it was a very big what if at that point in time because we you, with you with transition stars, you know, it doesn't always work out, you know, or it's even, if they go the other way, it doesn't always work out. CM Punk's a great example. He goes to UFC and flops massively. So yeah, it's like, Could it be like, I mean, Kurt Angle is obviously involved in this feud that we'll talk about in a minute, but it is, it was, we were just wondering, we were just desperate to see her actually, see how the trading was going to pay off.
1: Well, we had no evidence until she got in the ring of how this was going to do, because her physicality she had in the build up to Mania was a wee bit limited, yeah, we had that great bit where she put um, uh, Triple H through the table when they were doing the contract signing at Fastlane was it but we didn't get a great you, you didn't get a great sense of what she was going to be like but when we look back at it all the evidence was there this person is a serial winner and uh, it, you know she was not going to enter into this lightly and when she came out for the match at Wrestlemania I mean this match was a 20 minute match she got you've got a ton of time she looked So happy when she came down to the ring. There was something just watching it back again that just like you could see she was living the dream there, and it made you happy uh, for going along it. And she joins an interesting group of people that made the ring ring. If it's good battle royals that made their debut at WrestleMania, she follows in the footsteps of Lana, Fandango. Big E and a guy called Sting that all made their WWE debuts at in ring debuts uh, at WrestleMania. Big E obviously was in the tag match. Yeah, oh, I remember.
0: I remember the smiling thing because a lot of pe- it took a lot of people off guard that she just came out because she was meant to be this pure badass with the skill, uh, and she just comes out like, "Hey,
1: yeah, don't give it that I'm a reputation." <laughs> so happy. I mean, we had to wait a long time to see her in the ring in this match because it started, the match started off with Angle and it took eight bloody ages for the hot tag to get oh, made. Oh! Angle's hot tags is like the slowest thing in the world, he's kind of like, yeah, it's like, come on Angle,
0: I know you're done in, but come on to hell, do the tag, man, Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And there was a, lot of, a bit of pressure on this particular match because if you look back at that WrestleMania 34, it's the fourth match on the card. So it was on very early, and not just that it was on early, two of the three matches had to follow, it had to follow an intercontinental title triple threat between Seth Rollins, Finn Balor and Miz, which to many people was one of the best best WrestleMania opens of the modern times. Uh, Charlotte Flair and Asuka absolutely stole the show with uh, Charlotte Flair ending Asuka's undefeated streak. We won't talk about the US title Fatal 4-Way that went on just before it. They brought Do everybody know,
1: down to bring them back up.
0: So yeah, there was a bit of pressure on this particular match, you know, and, and the aspect of it as well that it was kind of three years in the making.
2: It was. It was always going to have a huge amount of pressure on it um, in in terms of everything. I I had to I had to watch this match twice, I think, to appreciate. Uh, I had to watch this match the day after Wrestlemania again to, to re-watch it again I don't think that as a wrestling match this is this is as deserving of the praise that it gets but I don't think that's Ronda's fault I think that as a debut this is one of the best debuts of all time from, from Ronda's perspective um, I think I have no issue with the smiling thing Ronda was at her best on camera when she was organic and not being fed lines through a script um that just that was just too awkward for her. She was she was always fantastic when she was on camera being organic. I don't think that um, there that my my one issue with this match was always that um there was never any way in hell WWE was going to convince me that Stephanie McMahon could counter an armbar twice. Had the strength to counter well, an armbar well, twice.
1: I've moaned about this then, so much in this yeah. podcast over the years. <laughs> what well, all these people and she you had so a perfect. The to two do. things
2: it was never she was never cheated oh. out of the armbar. She full on just locked in a counter of the armbar two mm. times, and you I, there's no amount of storytelling that anyone can tell me that Stephanie McMahon has the strength or Cunning or wild to counter an armbar twice from Ronda Rousey oh, before getting okay. mean, the third one in. That's I my mean, main problem with this match.
0: Yes, yeah, it's, 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 you're, you're kind of like, no, stop. I mean, come on, it, let's let's move. see if this match had, see if Charlotte Flair was in Stephanie's position. If Charlotte does that, you're kind of like, okay, fair enough, Charlotte Flair, is the best wrestler, women's wrestler in the company.
1: But Stephanie man, for fuck's sake. Not even a fucking wrestler. I think Tom's (laughs) point, Stephen, I thought Ronda looked amazing. When the hot tag came in, she came in. Her her style, uh, the judo style, the judo throws that she went on to really master, I thought looked fabulous. The strikes that she hit uh, on Stephanie in the corner were great. When she then went toe-to-toe with Triple H and punched him into the corner, yeah, it was a bit hokey. But it was funny as fuck. Um, <laughs> I liked the hurricaneana uh, off the top rope. Sorry, the Hurricane Anna into the arm bar for Triple H, and you would see as she goes on, the way that she started to be able to apply the arm bar really evolved. It became much more organic. I thought there was some really good near falls in this match as well. Almost did the DIY um, um, revival finish with the the, the double submission earlier on, and then we got the double um, pedigrees, so there's some really good moments, good spots in it, I thought. And Uncle Dave gave it four and a quarter star. I think I agree with Tom that technically there are better matches than this, but in terms of the story and the overall package, I absolutely loved it's, it. it. It's a fun match. It's a very yeah, fun match to really watch. <laughs> I, I think it does it starts
0: a bit slow but it hits its stride to the minute Ronda gets in there it hits its stride and it goes full-pelt the rest of it it's a fantastic watch but uh, Tom one of the things that does surprise me uh, this uh, the fact that this when she wins this match then it deserves to so we think she's going to go on she's going to have a build towards the title eventually but instead of yeah. what maybe people personally thought we were going to see a slow build pretty much a month or so Month or two later, they thrust her straight into there, put her in there face to face with Nia Jax, you know, on the red carpet, you know, it's not even in the ring teaser on this, not some sort of yeah. it's not a launch event. And she challenges her straight away. And it looks as if, it looks as if that's what's gonna happen We're anyway. Not gonna be anything, she's not gonna test herself with a couple of other opponents, no. Let's put her straight in there with the chap and see how she does. And as and Thomas Gary mentioned off screen, you know. She convinces us that Nia Jacks can wrestle.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I I think the they didn't have a choice. I think they had to do it, and it's and it. I personally think this is a a very un. We're gonna see this come up again towards the end, um, where they where they make a different decision, and it and it costs them the biggest one of the biggest stars and actual genu, genuine needle movers on the ratings wheel. That they've had in a long time um but in this case sacrificing night who they were doing well with at the time They she she gets a lot she gets a lot of flack after the point of this and some would probably say deservedly so for naya naya was doing really well she was a very becoming a very bankable star at that point um the alexa bliss match wasn't a terrible match at wrestlemania it did its job very well they didn't necessarily book it the best it could have been uh, post but they never do so who cares Um, (laughs) and then and then but when they actually had to sit down and say like we've got to throw a champ to the wolves here who are we gonna throw it's too soon it was Charlotte. charlotte was the smackdown women's champ yeah. yeah, no, it was, yeah. Had to go. it was far too soon for Charlotte. It was she was far too soon for Charlotte. Naya no, she'd had lost, I she lost it.
0: She lost it to Carmella. Carmella she too.
2: had. She would lost it to Carmella. Okay. okay, change of plans on that front. Then nobody wanted to see that match. Let's be real. <laughs> nobody wanted to see that match. That w- That isn't. That is probably one of the few draws that doesn't sell any tickets in this situation. It had to be Naya. It's unfortunate for Naya's situation because it probably cost her what would have been a very solid title run, and any momentum that she had going forward, but at the time, when you've got someone who's genuinely moving the ratings needle like Ronda is, you've, you've got to make that call, and I think they had to.
1: I was also surprised this match came around so quickly, and I, as far as I'm concerned, this is the best match of Nia Jack's career. Uh, by by some distance in there. I was accused Tom, this is before your time we, had a, <laughs> we did a preview show of Wrestlemania 34 in the podcast and I was accused of turning heel because I said in that podcast, having been a great supporter of of the, the women's revolution in wrestling then, I was accused of turning heel when I said I didn't give a shit about the Nia Jax Alexa Bliss match at Mania I hadn't um, seen and he, enough and
0: you on, you on wrong.
1: I was totally right I hadn't seen enough there hadn't been enough of, of the story there why I should suddenly feel sorry for Naya who's going into this as the sympathetic baby face that'd been bullied in it. And Naya very quickly, you know, started to flip to be in a heel in this and it did her no favours here. we had that sort of jealousy story in here. And the match itself was a story of Naya's size and power and how wonder was going to overcome this and there was a lot at the start of the match of Naya dominating, and we started to see Ronda's ability to sell, which I think is something she does deserve credit for as well. Um, I thought it was really tremendous. Here. And some really nice spots in here, she managed to put a Kimura into an armbar spot as well. How she managed to um, do some judo throws onto Naya as well before um, locking in the armbar, and then Alexa Bliss interfering. Uh, as well. Here, Uncle Dave, Dave, this three and a quarter stars. Oh, quite
0: good for him. Him. Yeah. good for him. Yeah. Uh, it's a good for him. It's a thing though, because uh, I think, I think they were kind of booking themselves into a corner a wee bit because I think that they, they put the belt on Nia obviously at WrestleMania and they thought, right, at that, at that point they were probably like, right, we're going to give her a good few months and let her kind of dominate, run through the, the, the raw roster. And then the, there was the reaction to Ronda, and they were kind of like, "Right, we should probably get the belt on Ronda, but how do we get the belt off Ronda without really making Naya look, you know, daft in it? You know, she kind it does look daft at the end of the day, but they then end up having Alexa cash in money in the bank on that particular night, um, to then lead to the match that, between Ronda and Alexa at SummerSlam. Yeah, or you know, squash a slab. It kind of was in the way because there's a lot of squash matches in that particular card and mm-hmm. uh, yeah I, I was happy to see Ronda win the belt at SummerSlam it's a great place to kind of have as a big moment but I don't know what you guys think the actual way it happens it's,
2: it's just a ha- shame it's just a shame that they never had a true heel that they could have had Ronda chase the title with if they'd had if they'd had Charlotte turn heel which was what I always was under the impression they would have done after um, WrestleMania, after WrestleMania 30, uh, 34, um, with the intention of them, then I I, I thought for sure they were going to turn Charlotte heel straight after that. Um, in in regards to the Carmel, in regards to the Carmella uh, cash in. Um, I actually thought they were just going to the best way to deal with the Carmella thing was basically just have Carmella basically become Charlotte's manager because Charlotte just came out and just demanded a title back and she gave it to her. Um I thought that was the be- I thought that was the best thing they could have done. They probably could if they'd had someone like Charlotte as a heel or someone else but they just didn't have the heel. They didn't have the heel to do it. Naya wasn't ready to do it. The closest thing they had was Alexa so it had to be Alexa in that case.
1: Yeah, I thought then, yeah.
2: sorry Tom. No, no, that's fine.
1: I thought the, the SummerSlam match and the Hell in the Cell match were maybe in terms of the way they were booked were maybe the wrong way around because by the time we get to Hell in the Cell, Boss well, is surrounded by uh Alicia Fox and Mickey James. And I wondered if you'd maybe had them and you had the numbers against Ronda and they were interfering and maybe caused a DQ You then get to the match where you say, you know, Hell in the Cell, as as it would have been here. I'm not proposing they had a Hell in the Cell match, but to say, right, they're all banned from ringside, it's just the two of you now. And then Ronda, the conquering face, gets her hands on the chicken shit heel and destroys them uh, really quickly. Yeah, so I just wondered if it was the uh, the wrong way round. In hindsight, I thought one of the good things that the this did give us or this angle gave us was the great um, moment with the with Alexa Bliss's security guards on Raw when uh, Ronda goes Tonto, beats up three of them and the fourth guy screams and runs (laughs) away from her. Uh, I thought that was magic. But also I think what we started seeing here also was the use of some reality in the promos which maybe caused some damage to Rhonda. And we see that a wee bit more with, with Becky later on, because Bliss called her the most overhyped rookie. So there was something there. I just think when you later on you come into the leaned on that a little bit. And I'm not sure that helped Rhonda there as well. But
0: one thing I actually quite liked round about this kind of period is obviously she's, from what we've talked about so far, she has the match at WrestleMania. She wins the match at Money in the Bank by DQ, but obviously Alexa wins the title. And then she has the, the win over Alexa at SummerSlam. And then, as Gary, you mentioned the Hell in a Cell match. Uh, no, the, the match at Hell in a Cell, sorry. Yeah. But she wasn't just like doing just these pay-per-view matches. She was wrestling very regularly on the house shows. Yep. She was featuring quite a lot on Raw. I mean, Tom, something that was really, I found, great. She was making a lot of, well, there were short matches she was winning, but she was giving good accounts to the likes of the Riot Squad. She was doing a lot of stuff with them. Uh, she was teaming a lot with Natalya as well, as well with that. You know, she had a match with Mickie James on Raw towards the end of November. It was about two minutes, oh. but it wasn't just like, she was just going, right, like, pay-per-view match. Nothing, pay-per-view match, nothing, nothing. She was putting in the graft on the tour, which is well, which you got to give her credit for, because you you, there's a lot of people that would do it. As big a star as she is, they would come in, do the runs that are going to be the big draws for her in her pocket, and that's it. But she was, you know, living the life.
2: It's, it's almost like she was the first genuine draw WWE has had since probably early days Cena and Batista. Or or even Brock. It's almost like they had a hu- a huge bankable star that people were willing to pay money for to come and see at an arena purely because she was there. And we're about to get into the bit where they fuck it all up. I can't wait.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, before before we get to that, Gary, there's obviously the subject of uh, evolution. Mm-hmm. Which G uh, main events, so it's her versus Nikki Bella, Ooh, let's be probably honest, was probably the heel that she maybe needed about five months beforehand in the format. Of... I think this is uh, We've spoken in this podcast a lot before about how Nikki Bella is maybe underappreciated as a wrestler, especially towards the later part of her career, and this match is pretty solid. Granted, they put this on just after the Becky Charlotte yes. match. Which, in hindsight, should be an event, you know. But this is it. Just shows the draw of Ronda. It's like she's the big, massive mainstream draw. We have to put her on last. But at the same time, the Becky Charlotte feud was hot as anything. They could have got away with it, but they didn't. But it didn't. This bit didn't really bite them too much.
1: No, absolutely. And I mean, I think it was fourteen minutes the match was on. Uh, yeah, fourteen. Three and three quarter stars for it, and there was some, uh, int- you know. Turned into personal rivalry. Some interesting, some promo stuff. I thought some of Ronda's digs on Nikki were quite entertaining. The only door you broke down is the one to John Cena's bedroom. I enjoyed. I didn't really like the the Mueller digs on uh, that came back at Ronda here. But yeah, this is a this is a decent match as well. Nikki, can, Nikki Bella controlled it earlier on in it and it was a really nice spot and I enjoyed when Nikki had this uh, head scissors on Ronda and starts doing push-ups um, with a little breeze interfering a lot. So the early part of the match is is Nikki in control, then Ronda gets the two of them up and h- hits a double pipers pit, one stacked on top of the other, which incredible power here. And I really liked the finish of this, where they were on the, the top rope, and they did that sort of roll through, uh, where it eventually leading to Rhonda applying the armbar. And you know, Rhonda, some of Rhonda's work was get, she was getting smoother with every passing oh, yeah. week in the ring. The judo throws you in um, uh, the Australian show, uh, Super Showdown. The judo throws that she hit on the riot squad my goodness they looked wicked i mean they uh, really did a great job at selling for her there as well but yeah i enjoyed this i would agree with the comment like in hindsight this should have been the semi-main event and uh, becky and charlotte should have went on last but that that was something to follow there but i thought this was i thought there's a good match and nikki bella does deserve credit for it and look here so we've got through to evolution so we went from wrestlemania through the matches are getting highly rates like right, highly rated four and a quarter stars from wrestlemania three and a half stars for money in the bank SummerSlam was only a four minute match i got two stars hell in the cell three and a quarter stars and this one's three and three quarter stars i know these are one man's opinion but they are pretty solid ratings these are solid matches that she's putting on
0: yeah, and I think you as when we get to like the like the last few months of come of that run, she, there is some really great matches in there. Yeah. Uh, in particular, around she seemed to do a lot of her best work working with the four horsewomen, mm-hmm. and Tom, that's when we kind of go on to the build towards Survivor Series, which mm-hmm. came just after this. Now, this is kind of Survivor Series Rumble kind of fall into roughly about the one area. Uh, after, right after this show, Evolution, Becky Lynch gets straight into her face right after the show and says, you know, Survivor Series, belt for belt. And at this point, these two were running hot. You know, Rhonda was there, but Becky was catching her at a rapid pace. You know, the man stuff was taking on. And then, of course, we got the unluckiness of got into Survivor Series, or we had that night on Raw just before Survivor Series where... Fucking Nia Nia Jax, fucking Nia Jax, uh, where, where Becky Lynch, Tom, is the first person to really, other than Alexa Miss, wants me a briefcase, she's the first person to really take Ronda to school in the WWE ring. She makes Ronda look like a bit ordinary, which at the same time was good, because it elevates that kind of feud. And to this day, it's still the match in WWE in the women's division that we all want to see
2: yeah i think i i have i have very different opinions on how this this all should have gone down um i i have i have very serious issues we need to get to wrestlemania for me to do a proper rundown of everything <laughs> um that that is coming because i have wanted to say this on a public forum for so long um of how they messed this up and it was so easy to not mess it up um it it was interesting to what I mean you had you had two inter- two interesting characters and at Survivor Series you're at the ground laying stages for Wrestlemania it's the first time they start to put some sort of ground lay usually into into what the idea of the matches are going to look at Wrestlemania this is an interesting sort of thing that's about to develop and it becomes quite interesting as well you have a slight problem in the fact that your top heel of the company is stood in the stands with a broken nose um, looking cool as hell, and everyone's cheering her. But that's but that's a problem that you you probably should have solved at Summerslam by not doing the thing in the first place that turned a heel. But it's an interesting format, this layout and stuff like that. So they they put it through to themselves, and they did cre- and they created fan demand for something which isn't something that they normally do or are usually even capable of doing around Survivor Series. I don't think they ever should have put themselves in that position but I'll get to that later
0: I mean and I, the match that at Survivor Series Gary with Charlotte Flair it's a match that kind of screams we've put Charlotte in here you know at the last minute because she's the she's a solid hand fair player and they kind of have to book her like right we, we can't it's again a case of we can't book any of these two to look weak which is how we kind of got the DQ Charlotte going back shit crazy with the candlestick stuff
1: mm-hmm. I mean the the candlestick stuff at the end—what uh, was brutal? There was some really vicious shots here, and you've seen the reaction for the audience here. Um, I think it's fair to say, guys. And correct me if I'm wrong here. Uh, Ronda didn't come across; uh, wasn't he getting the sympathy, sympathy that a baby face really should have been getting.
0: It got; uh, she got mega flipped. Mm -hmm. especially that night on Raw with the Becky stuff that was kind of
2: like it wasn't it wasn't the match that people wanted to see as well you've got to remember like fans were very disappointed because they hyped themselves up for this Ronda versus Becky match because they were in the position of of, that it was going to be Becky and Charlotte at Mania um, one on one so they were excited for the fact that it was it ended up being Ronda and Becky because you had you had that great time of Survivor Series where the champion versus champion, the world champion matches were producing some really great stuff at that time. Yeah. Um, because it was always the two top, tops of the division going going at it in, uh, in both the women's and the men's divisions as well. And it just, I think it just, I think that, this is the first thing that sort of damages that. And I think I think there is a point where she doesn't get the reaction that she wants, and that's she takes that very personally. She should never have been in the position, um, but yeah, but also she did take it very personally, I think.
0: Yeah, def- definitely, like, That's how we kind of got that kind of thing when you know Charlotte would end up look more popular than Bronda, which wasn't great, and I think. Ronda had a bit of a short-term bit of recovery. She was actually, she started wrestling a lot long matches. You know, she she was wrestling like she had Sasha Banks at the Rumble, which went on for a fair amount of time it was as a well. Very good match, I thought. Mm-hmm. Very, very I
1: good think
0: match. think that's
2: probably the best wrestling match Ronda had. Yeah, that was a fantastic match. I think the Sasha and Ronda was probably the best match she had wrestling-wise.
0: She also has one with Bailey just after it as well. Yeah, which is pretty good she has a really strong match with uh, ruby riot on raw in february too they' oh, now obviously ruby soho some fantastic stuff but we then get the night after the royal rumble is when we kind of finally get to see the teases of what we wanted at survivor series where becky Lynch, having just won the royal rumble calls her shot right away she wants ronda rousey we obviously didn't, didn't really touch pod fully that uh, ronda also screwed becky out of the SmackDown uh, Women's Championship at TLC uh, to allow Asuka to win that. So there was something there, but yeah, we got, we looked like we were getting the match we wanted of Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey. However, it didn't quite work out that way. So I think I might just let Mr. McManus have his wee, have his moment (laughs) to discuss. Tom, please tell us, what did you not like about this build to WrestleMania?
2: (laughs) this is a perfect this is a perfectly fine build to wrestlemania it comes across fine it's not great it's not the great thing it should be and it causes ronda to go home becky lynch is man gimmick is a perfectly fine gimmick if it wasn't being done during the time of ronda rousey's reign the best way to get through this and to have to have not done this would have been to keep becky a baby face We didn't need to ever get to the point of Becky and Ronda being what everybody wanted. You had a perfectly good heel in Charlotte Flair that people wanted to see turn heel at that point. At SummerSlam, they never should have turned Becky heel. They never should have. Yes, there's the argument of you don't get the man gimmick, but so long as you sort of do a hardline gimmick and like, I'm going to stop doing all the Dixie Irish shit, and I'm gonna do and I'm gonna do a more hardcore gimmick you can still get a version of that gimmick that people are really interested in and Charlotte's just screwed her out of the title if they just done that and kept Charlotte as the main heel you could have had Charlotte and Ronda as your main event of Wrestlemania people would have been just as into it because people would have wanted to see Ronda kick Charlotte's ass because they were at that point where people were a bit sick of Charlotte Winning the titles all the time There was no need for it to be a triple threat And there was no need for Becky To be in that, Becky Lynch God love her, cost them Ronda Rousey In that gimmick And and no one will ever persuade me Otherwise, you could have still had Everything to do with this But they played to the fans And they, by their own bad Booking as well, they played Completely to the fans and it cost them Ronda Rousey by the end of this Wrestlemania
0: I mean, you're telling that to one of the most self-proclaimed uh, Becky Lynch marks, who did a run right outside his back garden in the pissing rain when she came back at Summerslam. But this, is, gonna...
2: this, <laughs> this isn't me. This isn't me saying I've got anything against Becky Lynch. No, it no, no, works you make some, you make, perfectly fine. You make some. You make, no, you make, some, make a very good
1: point. Are you, is yeah. that, are you the Becky Lynch fan, Stephen, that didn't drive to Glasgow Fort To I meet her? wait, a, big queue. I I wait a queue.
0: I not like waiting a queue. And go to then when I go to Smiths. Then I go to Smiths. They all look sad.
1: So you're not that big a Becky Lynch fan then? Ah <laughs> shit! How man. often? How often is Becky Lynch in Glasgow doing meeting dates? greets? Much. Black who actually, even better. He jumped the
0: queue. He jumped your daughters in the in the queue, which was horrendous of him. Uh, Gary,
1: you get any thoughts on the, the build to this WrestleMania triple threat between these three? I think they suffered, uh, as a lot of people do and a lot of feuds have done over the years with the time gap between Rumble and Mania and the trying to find things to drag out some of the stories in the feuds that are set at the Rumble. Um, so I think that was unfortunate for their, I would agree with what uh with everything that Tom said and Rhonda had started to lose her way a little bit or WWE started to use the way with her here and the fans had made it clear from SummerSlam that they what loved Becky Lynch and WWE have, on a number of occasions now have tried to give us a version of Becky Lynch that we don't want and that was tricky for 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 uh, for Ronda here. WWE had set their mind that we were it was supposed to be Charlotte and Ronda at Mania, and they were building to that, but they never got to get to the get out the way the Ronda Becky match at Survivor Series, which was unfortunate. So they kind of ended up in this position here. Uh, I don't think Charlotte should have been part of this match. Um, um, I don't think we needed it. I don't think it needed to be title for title either.
0: Yeah, um, Convalid said something
1: awful. Yeah, absolutely. So I, th- I think they suffered from the length of time between the, the Rumble. If I remember right, uh, at Elimination Chamber, we had uh, Rhonda and Ruby Riot for the Raw Women's title, and then at Fastlane, uh, Rhonda gets involved and causes uh, Becky to get EQ'd, I think it is, to then set up this triple threat match at Mania, so you could see there's, you know, a rather convoluted way around about there's, arriving at this triple threat match. Yeah, there's,
0: there's too much, essentially, Rhonda feels a bit, it should have been this to, this if you base it on what happened from the night after rumble it should have just been these two in a kind of blood feud but instead ronda kind of feels in the background because it's there's this thing like apparently becky and vince becky's done something to annoy vince and vince is pissed at becky and becky that's why he takes becky at the match and he puts charlotte in and blah, blah blah the one good thing in this wrestlemania feud is that moment when the freedom get arrested and then they all fight by the cars yeah that's, fuck it <laughs> that's great bloody tv that's such so oh, funny some of the stuff for the moment. Charlotte's running knee as I think as Ronda's out
1: heads at the car, so it's like, Prow. yeah. Um, Wild's uh, was critical of this and it didn't get a, a great rating and obviously there were some problems with the, with the finish to the match. I don't think we get a Wrestle. I don't think we see the the women's division main event WrestleMania thirty four without Ronda Rousey. No, I don't.
0: I don't. I don't think it gets near it. I think. Um, Another thing I think it hurts this build is I think it's a set, it's an afterthought to many people to Kofi Mania as well. I don't think I really think how good Kofi Mania does makes this look a lot bad, worse. I think if Kofi Mania is very... See if they fucked up the Kofi Mania stuff, this would have looked a bit better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the match at WrestleMania, um, I liked it at the time. Rewatch it doesn't stand up as well in a rewatch. It is more the history aspect of it kind of good. But yeah, I don't think this match is near a main event without Ronda Rousey. Uh I think they probably would have went myself and Brock. I you mean know I mean I don't think they would I think they would have kept Koffe about know it as uh were you Dom, do you agree with Gary's thoughts on that?
2: I I, I think realistically, yeah. I think it would I I just think it was the wrong match. I think it wasn't the the way they did it by the end of it was so convoluted in terms of who no one knew who the good guys and the bad guys were because WWE thought whoever WWE thought the good guys and bad guys were in that feud, <laughs> the fans thought the complete opposite. Yeah. Um, by the by the end of it, um, so you you couldn't follow anything. There was everyone was basically just rooting for Becky. But it split off into whole things because everyone was sort of like, "But actually, Ronda's really good, and also Charlotte's realistically the best women's wrestler on the planet, if not one of the best wrestlers on the planet." So there's there's plenty of different sort of lines behind it that a singles match very rarely should have should have should a multi a multi person match main event WrestleMania anyway. It should almost always be a singles match. There's very very few exceptions. Daniel Bryan, Batista, and Randy Orton are probably one of the few exceptions that prove yes. that rule.
0: WrestleMania 20 as well, mm-hmm. the other
2: one. Mm-hmm. Yes, of course. Yes. No. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's 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 one or two there's one or two exceptions that prove the rule on that one. Yes. But it's just to the point of like why 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 did they do it for that? It was just a singles match of Ronda being the main Ronda had to be the main event of that card realistically because they'd spent so much time putting 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 the year into a, but a singles match with Becky would have gone down well with the crowd a singles match with Charlotte would have won over the crowd I think in that position, the triple threat, I just don't think it had a chance in hell of ever doing me and what had gone before it on that card and also
1: that Wrestlemania was long yeah, it was indeed I would have liked to have seen Asuka and Charlotte have a rematch and Becky and uh, Ronda to go on, but that's not what WWE wanted to give us.
0: <laughs> There's a lot of talk. There's a lot of talk. I think that Vince promised Charlotte the main event like the year before, and mm-hmm. had to try and get her in. But that yeah, was like a year before that. You know, Becky Lynch was eliminated in the first half of the women's battle royal on the pre-show, and mm-hmm. she then won the title in WrestleMania in the main event. There's she had quite a turn around at that particular point, but. In terms of Ronda, I mean that was one year of Ronda's wrestling career, and after that, she was nowhere to be seen again. Her and WWE career and for for, her, for that run had ended. She had wrestled 70 times between WrestleMania 34 and 35, including on house shows. Won 68 and lost two. She lost that one obviously at WrestleMania. And there was a match on Raw in January of yeah, that tag year, marks. tag match between her, with her and Natalia losing to the Boss and Hug Connection. She would go off. She's she'd mentioned a few times that she wasn't a big fan of the WWE travel schedule. Very la Brock Lesnar, 2004. Um, she talked very heavily about wanting to go off and uh, make babies and get pregnant, very vividly on social media. <laughs> to which. She actually did become a mother last year, in 2021. Uh, but since she's obviously she's been gone three years, and nearly three years, and there has been constant talk at points about what's happening with Ronda Rousey. You know, Stephanie McMahon mentioned in the media call at one point last year that Ronda Rousey was still under contract, to which Ronda said, "I don't know if I'm still under contract in WWE." So we now get on to the. This week at time of recording, the week before the 2022 Royal Rumble, we recorded this show and the rumour mill hit Overdrive as Fightful Select reported that WWE are pushing heavily, or pushed heavily now, (laughs) for Ronda Rousey to be part of the Royal Rumble match, although at the Royal Rumble pay per view at some point, not just the Royal Rumble match, with apparently WrestleMania plans being on the table. Now, obviously we need to be careful how we call this because this show is released after the Royal Rumble so I'm going to put the guys on the spot to see how well they do for the listeners do you think that Ron A if Ronda Rousey is going to show up in the Royal Rumble match and if that's the case what's the plans for Wrestlemania going to be uh, Tom, I'll go. Start to you
2: on this one. Oh, I was really looking forward to Gary's pitch on how this is like some kind of long-term <laughs> booking scenario <laughs> for, for WWE. I was so looking forward to that. I was like, it'll such a good pitch. Um, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna play devil's advocate purely because I actually do think that, that Gary will have an idea of um, in in favour of of Ronda coming back. I'm gonna say no, just on the case of unless unless their pitch is she's gonna have something seriously good at, at WrestleMania um in in a role that she wants to be in. Um which which they'd be fools to say no to, but I think they would say no to it. I think I don't think she's saying yes to anything. Um on on like la- anything long term at least unless it's a very, very seriously good pitch with a very good spot at WrestleMania. And I don't think, I just don't believe they're smart enough to say yes to it.
0: Uh, I mean, Gary, have you got her saving the from elimination in the Royal Rumble match?
1: (laughs) (laughs) She comes back and teams with Tamina and wins the women's tag titles. (laughs) I, I would love to see Ronda return. I think Ronda is fabulous. I think she's genuine top level star. She inspired lots of people to get involved with it. Steven, you suffered. Uh, the armbar that my daughter learned uh, to apply to people. I got Lucia, a rather
0: rousey funko
1: a few years ago for her birthday, actually, I remember right now. Yep. So she inspired lots of young, young girls to uh, to like wrestling. I would love to see it happen. I'd love to have her back. I think WWE would use her better now than perhaps they did at the time i think she'd be protected more as a as a proper star the, the the this is where reality comes in Rhonda had a baby in late september so october november december january that's not a huge amount of time for somebody to to become a first-time parent to train at a level or to train to the level that an elite athlete like ronda rousey would need to train to to then get back into into competitive competition now and saying that she could enter the rumble uh, at a late stage of win it and then not have to wrestle again potentially to wrestlemania um, but if she was to come back if if you know in the perfect world you could make it make it all happen um a face rounder versus a proper heel becky lynch at WrestleMania. now that's long-term booking <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, I'm not convinced about Big Time Becks anyway. I don't want to boo Becky Lynch. I felt like this was Stone Cold Steve Austin. I never wanted to boo Stone Cold Steve Austin. I don't want to boo Becky Lynch either. So, it feels like trying to push water up a hill, but maybe that's where you could go to a face Rwanda versus a proper heel Becky Lynch.
0: Well, it'll be very interesting to see if she did return at the Royal Rumble, and if she did, what they've got planned for in the future. Will they balls it up again? Who knows? Let's hope she comes and does something, saves, I don't know. She might win the 24-7 title from Dana Brooke, who bloody notes. <laughs> Uh But on that note, I think that's a point to kind of close off our look back at the career of Ronda Rousey. We hope no UFC experts listen to be absolutely critique of how we tried to talk about her time in the MMA. But I think we did a very good job of, tr- of going through her year. And WWE say so only twelve months is it on the main roster, pretty much. But so much that she kind of did, so much to kind of talk about in that particular time. If this is the first time you've listened to us at Eat Sleep Reflect Retweet, please hit that subscribe button and catch all our past great content and the content we've got coming up. We do a show, esi, sorry, we do a feature show every week it comes out every Tuesday and uh, next week we'll be looking back on the first six months of NXT 2.0 I'll be hosting that one again that should be an interesting show we've also got ESSR Central which we go through the years every week at a day that Ross can be bothered doing it uh, usually a Thursday or a Friday <laughs> that comes out uh, we've also got Saturday Draft Live every week uh, I wonder who will have won the season 11 trophy I know Gary and Tom won't have won it because
1: they are <laughs> in the bottom three. We are, we, at the time of recording, we are tied in points, Mr. McManus. Oh, my right. my hope is that Matt Matt Smith does not beat me because I have enjoyed laughing at how pathetic he has performed in this draft. Yeah. So if he uh, ends up beating me, that will be that'd be worse than finishing below Ryan Gallagher. Yeah.
0: Gary he's got two WWE he's got two WWE technically singles wrestlers in his team. One of them is Shayna, who's not appeared on TV for weeks and the other one's Jeff Hardy. I think you're okay. <laughs> I
1: think you're well okay. one of the problems I've got is I've got Austin Theory and Finn Balor. Austin Theory keeps winning matches against Finn Balor. So I end up <laughs> no better off.
0: FTM <laughs> <laughs> yeah so at time of recording you know, yesterday the season 12 draft have also taken place so you can find out who we have been paired with in the tag team season we may be in the same team as each other who knows check that out on our YouTube feed it should it'll still be up there it's live yesterday uh, and we've also got so much other great content on our YouTube channel and you can also see all the goings on from the podcast on our social media feeds Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Suplex Retweet. but from this week's show I'd like to thank my panel first of all Gary Kernan
1: Thank you, Stephen. I've enjoyed chatting all things Ronda Rousey tonight.
0: And to Tom, thank you, Tom. Oh, thank you very much, lads. Always a pleasure. Uh, I have been Steve Wilson, and we will see you next time here at Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet. There now follows an enthusiastic advertisement for Quiz Showdown. Hello, guys. Welcome to Quiz Showdown. I'm Daniel Campbell, and in this show you're going to see the members of the Eat Sleep Suplex Retweet team go through a very strange quiz. We don't know what the heck's going on with it, but you're gonna have to watch to find out. Go check out on the YouTube channel now. That was an enthusiastic advert for Quiz Showdown.